I'm Nicole Matthews, corporate America dropout turned entrepreneur and owner of The Henley Company, an event travel and lifestyle management firm. It wasn't that long ago that I was dreading my drive to my fancy corporate job each day or felt disenfranchised with the work I was doing. In 2007, I jumped off the corporate escalator and directly into the elevator of opportunity. Today, I'm an author, speaker, educator, and serial asker. I wholeheartedly believe that your life changes when you start creating your own opportunities and making big asks. Hands down, the business and life I have today is 100% the product of giving myself permission to design the life I want to live. It was always my dream to work at the Olympics, and by making a big ask, that dream became a reality. I now have multiple Olympic projects to add to my life resume. I created the Big Ask Podcast to share these best practices with you. Whether you're an entrepreneur hungry for revenue-generating tips or an individual restless to make a significant change, the life you want to live could be just one big ask away. Get ready to be entertained by real life stories, no filter conversations, and inspired by the daily hustle. So let's get started. This is the Big Ass Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Big Ass Podcast. My name is Nicole Matthews and I'm delighted to welcome you to another edition of our exciting new podcast. This is episode number four. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming two guests. The double trouble, I think, is probably <laughs> what we should call them. Um, Bernie Mauricio with the Shawnee Foundation and Andre Kwan with Magna Carta Wealth. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for yeah, having us. Oh my gosh, this is very exciting. You guys have no idea what like big time is sitting across the table from me. Um, no, it's definitely sitting across from us. Definitely not on our side. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I already know this is going to be a ton of fun. So, and we are going to probably have to um, get back together again, because I think the three of us could you know, talk the, the hind legs off a donkey, as I like to say. So <laughs> they call that world changing conversation. Yes, I like that. I like that. So, um, so good. So here we go. So, um, I've had the pleasure of knowing, um, both of you through my affiliation at the university club, which is a club core professional organization that we all belong to. We're all members of the university club here in San Diego. And today we are actually broadcasting from the university club. So thank you both for taking the time out of your busy schedules to meet with me. Just give our listeners just a little bit of background. Bernie, let's start with you. Let's talk about the Shawnee Foundation and the amazing work that you guys are doing in the community of pediatric oncology. Well, first of all, thanks again for having us here. Um, You know, it's fun to have these types of conversations, um, especially someone else who who knows San Diego has been dialed in for for a long time and does things on such a a high level. Uh, For the Shawnee Foundation, we are a truly a quality of life program and organization. Um, We run camps that are built for kids going through treatment or their siblings um, within pediatric oncology. So they're truly quality of life camps. It's an opportunity for kids to just have a sense of normalcy uh, when their world has been completely turned upside down. It gives the parents a brief respite to be able to take the weight of the world off their shoulders. Uh, and really that's, that's the biggest part. How can we find a way to put smiles on those kids' faces uh, when they're sort of going through a rough go and mm-hmm. for the siblings to be able to handle, you know, the emotional trauma that they're going through. Um, so programs like ours are specifically built to make sure that we're a, uh, a peer support group, a, a true resource network for the family going through a childhood cancer diagnosis. It's such an amazing resource. I know you and I have connected not only through our university club membership, but also through our work in in that space. My work being in the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Mm -hmm. um, recently being woman of the year for that organization. But just as you get to know these families and their stories, it's profound. Yeah. And you start to find out just how deep the ties are when it comes to the pediatric uh, cancer community as a whole. You Mm -hmm. see uh, what the lay of the land looks like and how willing people are to, to help their fellow citizen Mm -hmm. going through this. And for a lot of us, uh, cancer has uh, just, it does a job of being able to silence us on a lot of levels. So Mm -hmm. having groups like ours that are, that are truly willing to go out there and be that advocate and the voice, Mm -hmm. uh, especially groups like LLS and and yourself to, to be that extra voice, Mm -hmm. to go out and fight for someone that we know. Yeah, that's wonderful. We appreciate that work that you're doing. Just for fun, tell the listeners just something super fun about you that we wouldn't know when we first meet you. 
Um, let's see. Well, my camp name's Madrid. Um, so at camp, uh, you know, we, <laughs> each one of us is known by our sort of alter ego. So, okay. um, it's, it's truly fun because of the fact that you almost take on this second persona. It's the person that you, that you like to live out all the things that you tell yourself in your daily life. Well, I can't dress up like a star Wars character on a Tuesday, <laughs> but when I'm Madrid and I'm getting ready for, uh, for camp, or I really just sort of dive into that role. Literally, that is the most exciting exciting part. You act like a completely different person. And I think that's a, that's a fun part for people as a whole, especially for people like me where, you know, even though we, we do a, (laughs) we're in the nonprofit sector and we do these, this work, sometimes it gives us the ability to just act like clowns. That's my true self. So being able to do that on a regular basis, I wouldn't say that my wife is the biggest fan of it, but you know what? (laughs) She's, she's come around. (laughs) Do you wear a cape? I'll wear anything. Good Lord. (laughs) It's better than nothing. Right. Right. Well, being in the nonprofit world, there's always a sponsorship opportunity, right? There's a branding opportunity on your cape probably. So (laughs) love it. Love it. So Andre, give us a little background about yourself. Yeah. I'm a co-founder as well as a chairman for Magna Carta Wealth. We support athletes and entertainers by creating strategic teams. Uh, It's an initiative that it's kind of a startup, but at the same time, we have a lot of different professionals that are coming from their passion and their walk of life. And that's what we've been doing for the last two years. And we're excited about that opportunity. It's just something that uh, you can see as a systemic issue, obviously, mm-hmm. with the amount of salaries and income that they make mm-hmm. and the ones that don't make it, unfortunately. So yeah. that's what we're really focused on. And why particularly that niche? What's your background that brought you to that? Uh, I've been in the finance world for 16 years now, and it's just really just developing that passion, truly seeing the life cycle of an athlete beforehand mm-hmm. when they make the big contract and then afterwards. And it's the same for the entertainer as well, too, mm-hmm. right? You see the sad stories every single day, whether it be on ESPN or CNN or whatever else, guy that made uh, 50 million and blew it all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, an issue. It's an issue for that family, that that yeah. athlete, as well as the communities that those people live in. Right. So we want to make sure that we can try to turn that around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no more MC Hammer stories. Hopefully where... not, right? And if it's not, you know, <laughs> everything's a learning curve. So yeah, hopefully absolutely. learning from MC Hammer, right? So At least they'll wear the parachute pants. Exactly. Exactly. I think that would be amazing. Plus, if I can bring a team of 50 people anywhere, I mean, I'm, I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what's a super fun fact about you? Super fun fact. I don't know how much fun it is. It's been a little bit of an intriguing challenge for myself. I just joined the 5am club roughly about uh, 60 days ago as a challenge through Robin Sharma. Not sure if uh, everybody knows who Robin Sharma is. Robin Sharma is a kind of like a motivational speaker somewhat in the ilk of Tony Robbins. But okay. uh, doing that has really changed me in terms of everything. So between that, as well as um, I've started intermittent fasting about 60 days as well. So I'm, I'm on this complete hustle, like Life to the change. next level. Uh, you know, it doesn't get any easier as you get older. So right. I, I'm trying to proactively figure out the things that I can figure out by doing that. Okay. So does this mean you start your day at 5 a.m.? Uh, or yeah. you're up at work at 5 a.m.? So 5 a.m. And then I usually try to meditate for 15 to 30 minutes and then go to the gym and then get those two things knocked out and then everything else will fall into place from there. Okay. So it's kind of like taking time for myself to really focus on what I want to achieve. So Good. that's... Uh, I guess that's fun and intriguing. Yeah, uh, no, and, absolutely. And so the funny thing is, I guess, uh, is I was talking to my CEO of uh, a different company and he was like, oh yeah, I'm part of the 4am club. I'm like, mother. <laughs> really? <laughs> right? Now you, right, I mean, this yeah. is insane. I was like, hey man, I'm doing my best right now. That's it. It's all you can do. <laughs> Most definitely. All you can do. Yep. Will you wear parachute pants to the gym? I'll wear whatever it takes. <laughs> man, I'll like, get in there. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we all are members at the university club and that has definitely been, I think, something that we've all really appreciated. And as we've developed in our careers, have really grown into. So talk a little bit about the value that you get from being a part of a professional and business club like the University Club. So I know for myself and, and my wife, the the first few months that we actually had the membership, we really didn't use it. And so we were very close to dropping it. We didn't see the true value in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took another member who took us out and really just said, hey, you got to put something on your calendar. I think all of us within this role, you know, we're calendar driven, we're, we're mm-hmm. focused, we have our, our goals of what we'd like to accomplish. And and it, it took that little tweak of a, of a vision to actually put things into place. Because once we made that decision and started getting involved in committees and different things and different activities, and we met circles of friends and, and professionals that we enjoy doing business with, it completely transformed the, the actual membership itself. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it looked, it was a true value add. It was something that gave us a tons of resources, socially, professionally. Um, you know, you look at uh, Andre and I now of, of, of our role within the board of governors now, something that, 
I couldn't have told you that four years ago we were thinking about that. I mean, we we had an idea of how we wanted to use it, but now to really see the power of of what it is and and to put ourselves in position to make those asks to mm-hmm. say, look, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we'd like to do, and see it come through to fruition. That's where you start seeing it being a true game changer in what we do on a daily. Yeah. Yeah, I love what uh, Bernie said in terms of game changer, because for me personally, it was like when we first came in, I didn't use it as much. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, too, a lot of the people that we were meeting, it was like it was always what's in it for me. Yeah. And it just, you know, from my background and my, the, the people I've surrounded myself, it's never been about what's in it for me. It's about what's in it for us mm-hmm. and creating that opportunity to leverage the people that we meet, the networks that we reach. And now on top of that too, like the, the new committee that we're all part yeah. of, um, we're reaching out globally, right? We're mm-hmm. not stuck to San Diego. We're not stuck to Southern California. This thing is bigger than all that. And to truly have people that see that vision, it, that is a unique thing that I don't think that you can really run across people across the street and just say, yeah. hey, you know, we're about to take this to the whole West Coast and then right. to the East Coast and then globally and then figure that all out. I think that's a tremendous uh, benefit that um, some people are coming here could be short-sighted, but right. that's not because they, they plan on it. It's just because they don't have the other people helping them develop that vision. And yeah. I, I appreciate both of you guys for helping develop yeah. that vision further. Let's talk a little bit about Mega and the fact that we saw, or you guys saw really the the whole in terms of programming, no fault of the university club, but just at some point you sort of age out or you're not quite old enough, if you will, for that sort of more, you know, senior or sunset. So you and all, you, the three of us are all, um, relatively the same age, I assume. And, um, I'm 21. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Plus another 20. <laughs> so, um, so let's own the forties. We can all say we're in our forties, right? Yeah. So, so, um, from a professional development standpoint, just being in our forties now, we've all kind of been in the game now, 20 plus years working and being adults and all of that. I think from what I know your vision is for mega, what is the hole that you're trying to fill that we couldn't get on the outside? Basically, you know, MEGA is an acronym for Mentorship, Educational, and Global Ambassadorship. And that's really what, you know, there's no fault, like you said, to the university club. But when we were going through this four or five, six years ago, it, it was the fact that we were living a different life, right? Mm-hmm. It was the fact that the friends that we had around us were doing different things. And now it's like really that we've got to understand who we have around us as well as this current uh, setup of this club is like, how do we now utilize it and leverage it more? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that we were really looking for, and it took Bernie and I probably a good five, six months to really hammer down. Like, what do you want out of your life over mm-hmm. the next five to 10 years? And I, I appreciate Bernie so much for, to having that, you know, that response. Like, I think these are some gap areas. And then from myself as well, too, for some of the gap areas that I have, and we kind of combined it, chatted with a lot of people, mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. Uh, the club, other other clubs across the U.S. and say, hey, you know, is, is there something like this? Right. And I think that we always go back to it as like, where can we make a unique experience that can't easily be duplicated, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I wanted a happy hour with 100 people, I would just go downtown to the gas lamp and yeah. make that happen, right? right. If I wanted to, um, you know, join any regular book club, I could find that anywhere that I wanted to. But this is stuff that I think would have an impact not only on ourselves, but the people to come after us. And that's really what we've continued to build that framework out on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's kind of my answer for that. Yeah, I think Andre hit it on the head. I mean, if you look at the overall, just the visionary process of where do we want to be? Where is this going? What is the void that currently exists? And how do we come up with some sort of possible solution to fill that void? Mm-hmm. Um, and within our age range, I feel that we're for the most part, comfortable with who we are, what we're doing, what track we're on, where we'd like to be. We have a sort of a defined goal that we'd like to actually meet within a certain parameter of time. And so now the question is, okay, well, now that I have a much better idea what that is, my comfort level is here. Well, now I want to jump in and continue to be a change catalyst. And I want to surround myself with other people who are difference makers. And how do we actually come up with something that pushes the ball forward? Mm -hmm. If we're going to sit around and spin our wheels and just have you know, random talk, well, then I'd rather be home with my family. Right. Um, so if we're going to get together, how do we spend that time effectively and efficiently push, you know, processes in which we can really push the ball forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way we are the next generation of leadership that's mm-hmm. going to define what the region, what the nation, what the global sort of implications look like. And it's not a light subject. It is something that you want to drive and make sure that you're doing it the right way right. because your name's on it. Right. And because we're, we're tied to making sure that we're doing this, 
you know, obviously he's for some of us, you know, selfishly for things mm-hmm. that we want to accomplish, but also can we add value for other people that we want to bring into the fold? Um, and if those aren't the first two pillars that we're looking at, then we're doing it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And we're really lucky here as members of the university club that they're so open to this fresh ideas and provide that forum for us to explore that. So, um, you know, kudos to them for, yeah. for, for taking that I think systems like this have generations of people who have done this. So Mm -hmm. we're the next generational group who's starting to push that forward. So we've seen sort of, you know, models of success, but now it's our turn to sort of take ownership of that and Mm -hmm. tweak it to what our current needs are within our society, within what we're doing as a community and to continuously push that forward. Right. And it's kind of nice to be at an age also in probably stature in our own businesses where um, I don't want to say that we're not hustling because obviously as entrepreneurs and, you know, executive directors and directors where that's important that we are, but it's a different kind of hustle. It's not that frantic Mm -hmm. hustle, but now it's sort of, we can take a minute and figure out what it is in terms of programming. That's important to us holistically, kind Mm -hmm. of the whole, you know, the whole person, whereas there's stronger relationships that can be cultivated. It's nice that we can kind of slow down, if you will, and really be about quality versus quantity, which in your twenties and thirties is kind of the game, right? It's just quantity. So and I think uh, another common theme through all that, no matter where we rise to, is the fact that we can continue to stay humble and evolve, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that uh, it's been great working with both of you as well as the rest of the committee in terms of that is that we can step out of our own way. If somebody yeah. else is coming through as a shining star, hey, hit your home run ball, right? Yeah. And that's what we've always said from the very beginning. You don't need to participate on everything, but when you do participate, show up, execute, do your thing. Right. And I think that's a, a major change between like, you know, possibly at a younger age versus later age. Um, is the ability to execute and really have that vision up front. And then also say, my vision is this and I'm going to do it this way and then right. do it, right? right. Like, I, I think that's such a huge accomplishment for people nowadays um, because we we always joke around, right? Like, I get 6 million ideas a, a month, right? <laughs> All right, cool. Who's going to do that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So in the spirit of the theme of the podcast being the big ask, let's let's kind of dive into that. So both professionally where do you make your biggest asks on a regular basis? Uh, so for myself, it's, it's a big ask when it comes to support of the foundation. You know, we're, we're talking for the six figure, seven figure gifts that are transformative that allow us to have some sort of uh, sustainability for the organization, for the programs, um, to keep these things going in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on, on the nonprofit side, that's a, it's a big deal because you, you never run into uh, nonprofit folks who there's there's no streamlined approach when it comes to just learning development. Mm-hmm. Most times you're sort of thrust into it because uh, you're comfortable speaking with folks. And then you have to learn sort of on the job training of, okay, well, how do I get to the point where I ask for this and to define what our needs are and where we need to go? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big piece of, of getting to that comfort level of, you know, as we're going into oncology camp next week, I can't sit there and look at the children that are going to be at camp and their parents and say that I gave anything less than a hundred percent in every asset I put out there of saying, Hey, this is, this is what the current need is. This mm-hmm. is what our kids are looking for and the support that is, um, that is critical. Um, and you just have to ask yeah. I mean, first and foremost, the biggest thing is if you don't ask, you don't get. Right. So, uh, for me, it's, 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 uh, uh, from that 30,000 foot view of just putting the ask out there and regardless of how big it is, get the steps going because otherwise people have no idea what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so ask big and if they say no, that's fine. At least yeah. you have a definitive answer and you can go from there. Right. Um, for me is, you know, a no is not right now. <laughs> um, I, I can work with it's a no, never, you know, never yes is a maybes are great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no's okay. I'll get to you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Andre? A uh, big ask professionally is typically an opportunity for an introduction for a mm-hmm. conversation because typically who we're dealing with, there's a lot of trust issues and we have mm-hmm. to build that up over time. So that conversation growing and continuing in the right manner to say, hey, I understand your situation. Um, your your evaluation where you're at right now is this and this is where it could go. So typically what we're trying to do is uh, get that conversation moving forward so they understand, right? Because just like Bernie's dealing with young kids, we're dealing with a lot of athletes that are uh, they're, they're under the class of new rich, right? Mm-hmm. They've never had it. They've no, nobody in their ecosystem or their, their generations have mm-hmm. ever dealt with the money that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So what do we do, right? Like, how do we set up a life for you and hopefully a set up a life for legacies to come right. that makes sense. So I think that the usual big ask for me is introductions for conversation. Um, and 
And given the political or the political, the sports climate now in San Diego, are most of your asks happening outside of San Diego? They're happening all over. And that's why really it's, uh, it's great. My business partner is in LA. So mm-hmm. he's in the center of, uh, AKA the belly of the beast. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just always us, him and him and I going back and forth. And he, uh, by trade is a former Olympic athlete as well too. Okay. So he was a senior executive at a, uh, a performance company that was number one in what they did for NFL training. Mm. So he's kind of like, uh, how would I say that the face and, uh, the everything the introduction, the the sphere. And I'm more of uh, the guy behind the scenes. And I, and I enjoy that. I, I like putting it together that we can figure this out that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest education you have to give your clients? Uh, the biggest education is just kind of like understanding what you're going to do with the money and how mm-hmm. to surround yourself with a team to help you do that. Because uh, what you'll see is you'll see many different athletes have uh, different people around them and they mm-hmm. may not be the most skilled to do that. So for instance, football player A wants to sell us home. He's going to ask the guy he trusts the most, but unfortunately, the guy he trusts the most may not be the best at that particular position, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the buddy can go out and get the real estate agent, or I'm sorry, real estate license and go sell the home, but can he give 10 years of data? Can he mm-hmm. go and sell the home for fifty dollars to $100,000 more? And then also understand the tax implications of selling an investment property and possibly saving a couple hundred thousand dollars for 1031 tax exchange law. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not something you get overnight. And that's the, right. the biggest difference between us is the fact that we're doing the introductions to the conversations. But we're also backing it up with the fact that we are, uh, you know, super skilled. And also the fact that we've been in the, the industries for quite that, quite a period of time. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with that level of wealth, I think it's at some level, people probably think, oh, cry me a river. These people have so much money and, you know, but it's almost a disservice in a way if they've come out of a childhood or a community, like you said, that have never seen this level of wealth. I mean, it just can be almost paralyzing probably for some of them when they realize how much money they're making and then the obligation that comes with that money. I think my partner's got a, a great story. Uh, the fact that like he was talking to an athlete and he was the, the athlete was on his last contract. So he's going to take the the bonus, whatever else, and, and go buy a car for 200 grand. It's like, okay, that's, uh, I don't know if that's your best move. But in addition to that, right, the fact that he thought 200 grand from the signing bonus or the contract was exactly 200 grand. Uh, well, hey, good luck, man. Uh, 50% of that just went out to the taxes, uh, yeah, to the IRS. So, right. uh, and he's like, oh, I, I didn't know that. I was like, dude, you were on your last contract. Hopefully that education would have come before you became an mm-hmm. athlete during the time of your fir- first, second or third renewal of contracts. And also when you're about to exit, I don't know if the $200,000 car is the best move for you and your family. Right. You know, so um, I think that's a, a funny. Yeah, no, absolutely. My gosh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm sure you, um, Bernie would always love for them to, send that money over to the Shawnee Foundation, right? Is that part of the <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting. You, uh, you know, when you look at fundraising for nonprofits, the biggest thing is you want to educate people on doing their due diligence. I'd mm-hmm. rather have people come in with a sort of, uh, with a truly educated vision of who we are, what we're doing, where we're good, and where we just simply, we're not as good as other groups. Mm-hmm. That's fine. We've, we've got thick skin. You're mm-hmm. never going to hurt our feelings. Mm-hmm. And when you have people who actually to, to do actually do their research and understand uh, what you as an organization are doing and how you're pushing the the ball forward. It just allows you to have a much more engaged funder and supporter. If I just wanted a bunch of blank checks, then yeah, I could go out there and put our story out there and say, this is what we're looking for. But at the end of the day, I need people to really understand why we're relevant, why mm-hmm. we've been around for 35 years, why we need to be around for the next 35 years. Mm-hmm. Because if we go bye-bye, that's a big void to fill. And right now there are no systems in place to take care of that. So we can't then go back and have 500 kids that we support through patient service programs all of a sudden have nothing. Right. Um, that does more just intrinsic damage to what we're trying to do as, as a society and trying to really help people that need it. Um, so for us, when it comes to those type of funding mechanisms, we want people to go out there and really have a solid understanding of what we're trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and know that they're going to run into a, a cancer case. And at the very least, they should know that groups like ours exist. Right. And when they want to give, well, sit down and talk to us. Let's come up with what the best mechanism is for you and what you want to accomplish Mm -hmm. as a funder, as a supporter, um, so that you've got additional skin in the game, that you know that you're truly making a difference and you're leaving 
much more than just a, a check. You're truly leaving a legacy right. on something that needs that mm-hmm. um, because we're going to have uh, future generations of kids that are going to need this. So uh, we want people who truly get engaged. And when they make that commitment of uh, high dollar contributions or uh, I mean, hey, people work hard for their money. Yeah. It's a dollar. We'll take a dollar, but those types of things where they really just know uh, what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. And that's where I have the real respect for not only Bernie, but also the Shawnee Foundation is because they're actively doing these camps. You can see where the money's going. You can see the kids and how their families are affected. I'm not going to throw any other nonprofit mm-hmm. under the bus, but it's not smokescreen, right? It's the fact that they're truly changing lives um, from the person affected to the other family members that yeah. are affected because sometimes the, the other family members are the ones that hurt the most. And that's what I, I've seen um, through and through. And, yeah. and that's nothing uh, short of phenomenal. And I commend Bernie and the Sean yeah, Foundation and for that. I think even from, from Andre's perspective on, on his model of what he does, it's, it's always about peer support in the community that you have surrounding you. You want these individuals to succeed. So you want them to be surrounded by people that are actually giving them good advice. Mm-hmm. If that's not happening, if that's not the system that they've grown up with, then we have a much larger systemic issue that right. we as community members have to take ownership of the fact that we need to change that. Because otherwise right. we're just perpetuating the same cycle of a failure within that respect. And that's mm-hmm. not good. It, it, that impacts us all on the, at, at the back end. Yeah, definitely. Let's dial down. I love to get into the nitty gritty of it all. So I'm a brand new director of development for a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Let's hypothetically go there. Right. And I know nothing about doing development. Mm-hmm. So what's your best advice for like, how do you do development? When it, when somebody's tasked with development, what does that really mean? And what's like the, you know, if, if somebody would have told you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, what that really meant, mm-hmm. what's the best advice you have for development? So like some others, is that like a party in a club and then you just get a lot of people? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not, not, to, not to throw shade. I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, it's, it's relationship building. I think in everything that we do, it all comes down to relationship yeah. building are you able to form relationships and bonds with people? Um, you'll, you'll get to the part where you have to make the ask, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you just want to spend some time getting to know someone, understanding what their interests are, what their value systems are so that you have an idea of, of what the pathways are, where it can go. I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, developing people, you don't learn that from the onset. You're just sort of stuck in a position where, Hey, we need X amount of capital so that we can run our program. So it's a scramble approach. And you realize further on down the road that the more time that you spend quality time with someone sitting down with them and asking them specific questions of who are you? What are you doing? What do you want to accomplish? What is Mm -hmm. your vision? It's so much easier at that point because you've built a friendship and a relationship with someone where then you can actually have honest discourse about, okay, well, this is where we're running into some issues right here. Um, You know, systemically we're very strong here. So we'd like to really build off of that. Um, I think that really is one of the biggest keys when it comes to development because all the other funding mechanisms You'll run into those. It's it's mm-hmm. online platforms, your Facebook, your uh, classy, your uh, different mechanisms that allow you to do that from outside, from larger community levels. But you know the big thing in nonprofits is you will all you'll raise eighty percent of your resources, or sorry, you'll raise uh, the majority of your, your resources from the twenty percent of population that's mm-hmm. that's in your database, and that's uh, they're really the ones who drive it. So yeah. if you can really connect with them and figure out what they want to try and do and accomplish, that's where you'll raise the bulk of your majority of resources. And from that, the referral from, Hey, you now know us, you're comfortable with us. Is there someone else that you think we should be sitting down with that we can detail what we're trying to do? And that in and of itself makes the biggest difference for nonprofits, whether you're small scale, Mm midsize or large. Um, The ones who do that successfully are the ones who are continuously going to be at the top of their game. And it's a, it's a built skill set that you have to just sort of learn and develop, but just being comfortable with, um, developing the, the relationship building skills. When I, prior to starting my business, which I've now owned 11 years, the Henley company, I was the marketing manager for a major law firm here in San Diego. And I remember sitting at a table one time with a very young associate who had just joined the firm and then a very senior partner. And she asked him, um, she asked him, how do I grow my business? You know, my book of business, which is, you know, how attorneys live or die basically. And so she was very hungry for, give me your nuggets. What do I need to know? And his response to her was, you just live long enough. (laughs) (laughs) I might have spit on the microphone. Yeah. I don't know if that's... And the look on her face of like, I don't even know what that means. Right. 
and how just sort of, he was like nonchalant, like you'll just figure it out. And Mm. how she was so hungry for, Mm -hmm. give me the nuggets, give me the roadmap. Um, So best advice for your line of work, Andre, like what would you tell somebody who's getting into your line of work is the best way to really grow their business? Um, I, I think it's a couple of different things, right? It's an evaluation of yourself. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And then from there, like, how do you create a consistent model that you're going to move forward with? Right. Like, uh, we, we always joke around, uh, what's the shiny object syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that, Hey, I think that we should do this. We should invest money here. We should invest money there, but really staying on a tried and true course to what makes you unique and what mm-hmm. makes you strong. Right. So, uh, the other areas that you're not great at, uh, you, you, you need to delegate those out. Right. I, I couldn't for the life of me put together together a podcast. I appreciate you having us on here. Um, but I, I'm great at events, right? I'm great face to face. I'm great at, uh, understanding how to connect the dots from something that seems all the way in left field to right field. Um, so that's what I continue to stick on. And then from there I've put, you know, it's just like the president has their cabinet. Mm -hmm. It's the, the fact that you put around super talented people that understand your vision or your product and then continuously drive uh, through curiosity and execution. Mm-hmm. Um, so the simple answer is surround yourself with a phenomenal team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to, Bernie, what you're saying about relationships, right? I mean, you don't just pop out of school and go, okay, well, here's my team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously through business transactions, through networking, through mentorship, through all of that, you found your cabinet, for lack of a better word, yeah. right? So, so what was that process like for you? And who do you determine needs to be in your cabinet? Yeah, I think uh, the first things first is, can you find a mentor, right? And, and that's kind of like what we talked about, some of the pillars, what we're talking about in terms of our committee, but like mm-hmm. really truly find a mentor that that keeps it real with you 100%. Um, you know, we'll let you know when you've dropped the ball. We'll let you know when you're not bringing your 100% and mm-hmm. really will challenge you, right? Like anybody can have a, a do a, a, a person that is a cheerleader, right? We don't need that. We need somebody that's like really, hey, I saw you do this or you posted this on whatever social media. Mm-hmm. What what positive impact is that giving to you, right? Hey, uh, I saw you out there, uh, unfortunately, you know, boozing uh, yeah. on, and it's fine to, to you know, have a, a good time, but it's like, hey man, uh, are you really taking Monday off for this mm-hmm. reason? Like mm-hmm. you need to, to really set your priority straight um, and then really find that mentor. I think that's that's the first stage for me personally. I had a, a, a man that, uh, that I really looked up to that he was in a successful stage of his life for multiple years. And I, I just, you know, out of the blue, just asked him, like, hey, I'm looking for somebody like you to show me the ropes mm-hmm. and continue to keep me on the right track. And he and I love his responses and responses like, well, I'm going to keep it real with you. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's all I asked for. And he, he called me out a couple of different times. And uh, through that relationship, uh, it's, it's blossomed so many different opportunities for myself and the others around me. And I, I, myself, you know, we're getting to that age where we, we're, we have people that we look after. I'm a big brother for big brothers, big sisters, mm-hmm. this 13 year old uh, gentleman, Theo, he's a phenomenal young kid. And I hope to give him every opportunity. And I've also reminded him being straight up like, Hey, look, our time together is a, is a gift. And mm-hmm. if you take that for granted, I guarantee you, I'll be gone faster than you know it. Right. Uh, and it's unfortunate to put it that way, but I wish somebody would continue to let us know like, Hey, life is short. We have to get mm-hmm. after it right now. And we have to, to be very serious. There's time for fun, but the more serious and the more consistent you are, the more things that you are li- allowed to, uh, to have fun in. Yeah. So. I like that you said that you asked that gentleman to be your mentor, mm-hmm. right? So I think people make that mistake of feeling like they can't ask, you know, will I be a burden? Do they have time for me? What is that? Re- what am I really asking them to do? So what was your approach in terms of asking for that mentorship? It, you know, is it just as simple as please be my mentor? <laughs> or did you go with some concrete, like this is what I, you know, these are the areas that I'm looking for in terms of mentorship. Yeah. You know, one of my, personal strengths is the the matter of connecting in addition to that communication. So in terms of connecting, I was like, Hey, you know, I see you do all these different things. And, uh, in terms of positive response, right. I was like, Hey, I've seen you do X, Y, Z. You've been successful for this long. I admire that about you. So Mm -hmm. actually giving a reason of Mm -hmm. like why, and then on top of that, telling them what your interests are, right. I'm interested in growing into becoming this person and doing this and doing Mm -hmm. that. Hey, look, I could ask LeBron James to be my mentor, but like, (laughs) He better have, a, he, he should know a solid answer from me of why I'm asking him right. or else he's just going to say, 
doesn't make sense, kid. You know, mm-hmm. get out of here. Even mm-hmm. though I'm, I'm older than LeBron. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think when you're asking a mentor, I mean, you're asking for someone to be an accountability partner, really. Yeah, most definitely. You're, you're, you're asking someone, and that's a, that's a deep thing to ask someone on that level of, I need you to be my checks and balances, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm going through things to check me when I'm just off uh, the grid on something, but to also uh, to make sure that when you see I'm on the right path of something to continue to encourage sort of that um, type of system. That's a, it's a big deal because it makes all the difference in Absolutely. the world. You know, can someone really, um, can you look to someone where you really like Grande said before, you know, when, when times are good and, you know, you don't need the cheerleader all the time. You need someone who's going to, who's going to check you when things are going through and you're just like, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. That makes a, that's a, that's a good point. For and sure. I think uh, another huge um, point is the fact that it's got to be a two-way street, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got to truly show that mentor what you're, what he or she is dedicating their time to and who you're becoming and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the, I guess the last point is like the fact that you don't, always have to stay with the same mentor. That's mm-hmm. one thing that people continuously are like, well, you know, my mentor isn't serving me or I can't find one. Well, go find another one. Yeah. Go find somebody that is a couple of years or ahead of where you want to be at. That's probably the simplest way to do it, I think. Um, but that's really a thing is that, you know, even now, like my growth set with my mentor, like I've gotten to some areas that are brand new to him and to myself. And it's like, I may have to find somebody else. And mm-hmm. it could be, it doesn't always have to be an older person. You know, I, I know for a fact that there's probably an 18 year old that runs circles around us for all the social media yeah. that we would ever hope to do. And that kid could be our mentor, right? Sure. Like, Hey, just show me. And then I'll give you something back as well to opportunity mm-hmm. or my resources or my network. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can figure out a, a way to make it a symbiotic relationship. So that's what I'd say I always continues to focus on. Yeah. Have any of you ever hired a coach, a business coach? And what are your thoughts on coaching? Uh, I have never, but I think quite honestly, it's probably one of the best investments that you can make in yourself. Um, I think it's, uh, it's a great way to, um, well, like I said, you, you are making a, a personal investment in your future and what you want to do. It is, it is a way to have someone who's going to have full accountability for you and what you're doing and what you're trying to pursue. And that sets up a systematic approach and how you want to get to a certain sort of end point. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely one of the better sort of tools out there that mm-hmm. exist. I, I'm currently being coached and I, I do enjoy it. It's just, you know, from uh, the age when you're small in athletics and everything mm-hmm. else, the coach is going to give you some hard loving, right? Like, Hey, yeah. uh, great play, go do 50 pushups. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that's truly really what Bernie says an accountability partner that gives you a different perspective. Cause uh, I think those two things are things that you can't put money on, right? The accountability factor, are you waking up? Are you doing whatever you're doing? Mm-hmm. Or is your nutrition, right? Is your, uh, are you reading? Are you um, invested in other people? And then from there is like giving you a manner in which to do that. Um, so I, I think that those are things. And on top of that too, you can, it's always your point of view. So a different mm-hmm. perspective can always be great. And I think that the people that invest in themselves, like Bernie said, it, you know, they, they tend to help others as well too. So that's right. always a good thing. I have to admit that when I first started my business and people would mention coaching, I was like, what is wrong with these people? Like, <laughs> how hard can this possibly be? Mm-hmm. Like, figure your own stuff out, right? right? Well, that didn't work out so well. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, the times in, in my business where I have um, had a coach, back to the accountability word, that it first and foremost is that, I mean, you never are more productive than that 24 hour period before, you know, you have a call or a meeting with your coach, right? Or yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think there's no shame in that game of, of really looking at it from that, you know, you do need somebody outside of your business Mm -hmm. who's not working in your business every single day to give you honest feedback, to be a cheerleader if that's who you need. But, you know, I don't think we need to pay to have a cheerleader, you know, but those hard lessons are as as important as those positive lessons. Yeah, I think we have to get out of that stigma of feeling like, oh, there's this, uh, I'm asking for help and do I really need it? Well, yeah, you do need to ask for help. If you're trying to be at the, at the pinnacle of your game, at the true apex, you have to be able to take your yourself, look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, I've got some gaps here. And you know what, probably the best way for me to approach them is asking someone else to take a look at this and say, and you know, where,
where am I here? Where am I going here? Because it just allows you a different lens and a different point of view mm-hmm. to be able to look at it. And truly in, in a lot of factors, like you said, especially someone who's from outside of your industry or your yeah. arena that has a completely different view on it. It allows you to mitigate a lot of the issues of, Hey, you may end up making a mistake if you go down this pathway right here. So mm-hmm for most of us, well, why would we even think of that? Right. You know, let's go through this one that we know will replicate success. And this is the easiest way to make sure that we're just on point with what our goals are. Yeah. And just like what Bernie said, uh, hitting it on the head is like, where else would you want to invest? Hopefully mm-hmm. you've got that confidence in yourself that you're betting on yourself. Yeah. Um, it's just a long-term play, right? Like uh, I, I never look at that as a cost. I always look at it as an opportunity when I talk to my coach. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about process. So Andre, you're up at 5 a.m. This is like a consistent theme I'm getting from all the people who are su- super successful. Apparently <laughs> 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 I need to be up at that hour because... Well, and that's what, the, you know, it's all about. It's like yeah. evaluation. I knew that those people were super successful and it's like, okay, what? Give me something, right? I'm not yeah. in uh, biotech, you know, but I can do these two things that these other people do. So in terms of process, it was just evaluating super successful people in front of me and regardless of their field what makes them super successful. And I've always been a, a student of that, right? Like, okay, cool. Uh, this person uh, wakes up early, they work out, they eat right, they read, uh, they meditate. Mm-hmm. So like right there, those are things that you don't ever have to pay for in terms of on yourself, be on time. Uh, I always have a challenge with that one personally. So, <laughs> <laughs> But those are things that uh, I, I think I've written out year after year. Like I want to improve here. I want to improve here. Mm-hmm. And it's that constant searching. Like, okay, great. I've hit these marks. How do I evolve again? How do I do something a little bit more different? Um, so that that's kind of my process. That once a year, believe it or not, I, I typically write out goals for myself. Like, you know, what are the the largest meetings that I need to have and and, and create somehow, some way? Um, what is the things that I want to change within myself, either physically, spiritually, mentally, whatever else uh, that is? And I just take a reevaluation each mm-hmm. year. It's like, okay, great, you killed it here. And mm-hmm. here you drop the ball like no other. So go find a coach potentially, yeah, or yeah. go find a, a mentor in that space and truly improve that. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of my process. And how big is your team who supports you during so the day? Roughly I have a team of 10 uh, oh. throughout uh, the group. So whether it be uh, production partners or virtual assistants or processors and underwriters and stuff like that. And okay. also just dealing with uh, marketing as well as um, uh, we also deal with uh uh, a sports psychologist to kind of figure okay. out, hey, what is the the mental challenges that these athletes are facing? Mm-hmm. And then how can we put it together that it resonates and it makes sense? And actually they can see work become results. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Bernie, what's your process? Are you an early riser? I'm an early riser, not as early as my wife. My wife is up at, you well, know, they got kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 4.45, <laughs> <laughs> five on the Ooh. dot. And I'll be up in that, you know, uh, between five and 5.30, you know, maybe 545, but, um, to have that hour or so before my daughter gets up to have the time to actually, uh, have my coffee, read the paper, you know, don't really need TV or anything, but just to have that Zen moment of just figuring out or what the day's, what is it going to look like? Uh, what am I trying to accomplish on that day? Because the minute we get into it, then it's, 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 it's light speed at that yeah. point. Uh, we know sort of what we're trying to get through and we're going to get bombarded with 15 other things. So how do we find ways to just sort of, um, to make sure that we have a focused set of things that we're trying to accomplish during the day. So that, that beginning time in the morning, it's really sort of the, uh, the tone setting mechanism mm-hmm. for, for the day. So as many times and days as we can come up where, and even doing that on the weekend as well, yeah. if you're able to extend that to the weekend, it just keeps you in a, in a rhythm, um, and allows you to just have that, that sight of saying, okay, well, what's, what's the biggest thing that I need to accomplish today? If I can do that, great. Cause everything else is gravy. Yeah. Um, but it really does make a big difference of just setting, setting the tone for the day. What are you both working on that's exciting you at the moment? Uh, I was just appointed to the International Affairs Board for City Council. And, you know, like that's exciting to me because yeah. that's, that's a testament to all the people that are around me to help me get on that uh, position as well as it's a, a possibility for me to impact change and how I want to see change. Um, a lot of the stuff that we're doing through the Mega Committee Global Ambassadorship, it, it's truly like creating opportunity, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the fact that if you're all aware, hey, a recession may come. It's a global uh, environment, right? Like mm-hmm. what, what opportunities exist? Not, don't look at this as the, the sky is falling. Look at like where the opportunities lay. 
so to me, that's super exciting. And I have to special shout out to Jordan Marks. He helped me out uh, in that regard very, very much so. Um, and it's just something that I'm looking forward to uh, putting my energy and my resources and my network to uh, use for. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, from our end, I mean, from the foundation side, it's a CARES initiative. Um, we, you know, came up with this about a year ago and um, we're able to start up a partnership with Leukemia Lymphoma uh, to really tackle what's going on within mental health, uh, specifically as it pertains to kids who are going through a childhood cancer diagnosis and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got parents who are going through PTSS and PTSD symptoms. You have kids who are having suicidal and depression ideations. Um, it's just a much larger discussion, I think, as we're seeing things and where we are in society right now. The mind is a very fragile thing and mm-hmm. we need to be able to, to take care of it and make sure that everyone understands that they have a support system there um, and to really be proactive in our approach of being able to uh, to look at red flags and to jump in mm-hmm. and to not be scared and to ask the difficult questions of, is everything okay? Do you need help? What can we do to actually to, to help you through this time? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if we don't, then everyone closes themselves off and, and we have issues that, that pop up um, that are really sort of too late to handle at that point. Yeah. Um, we as a society need to really be able to, to take ownership and jump in from the front end and, and truly have that discourse and ask those difficult questions mm-hmm. um, at the beginning because that's, uh, that's what's going to benefit us all in the long term. And I think it's being led by a super special and innovative and impactful lady, uh, I believe, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Would we want to give her a shout out? Oh, Kayla, there's no doubt you're getting this shout out. Special K camp name. Uh-huh. AKA my better half. That's oh, right. Very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, no, I think to your point, Bernie, I mean, that's so important. You know, it's one thing to hear your child has cancer. Um, but I don't think people really understand the impact of what that means to the family. You know, so many people think about just that individual child who's going through chemo, radiation, you know, all of that, which is more than any child should ever have to bear. But the entire family is impacted, even the healthy kids in that family. How are they dealing with, you know, the child who has cancer, who's getting so much attention? You know, where are they getting lost in in this diagnosis as well? So I, I applaud the CARES initiative and really taking on that piece that kind of nobody really wants to talk about. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, yeah, I think we, and even within, within our scope, within our professional careers and what we're doing socially, um, you know, we run into our own ruts Mm -hmm. and how often do we actually ask for help when we're in those ruts, um, where we're really at sort of, you know, it's, it's easy to ride the highs when we're, when we're going through them, but when Mm -hmm. you're at your lowest, do we have the ability and the network and, and sort of support there to really ask the difficult questions of, Hey, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking for this so that, and then realizing that people will come to bat for us, yeah, you know, more definitely. often than we think. I, yeah. I think families probably think, can I afford for my child to have cancer? And they think financially, but the reality is, is that there's the emotional mm-hmm. currency, the, you know, the spiritual currency, all of that, that gets yep. really tapped into when, when kids have cancer as well. So, so great. Well, we're going to end with, um, See how quickly that went? That that was Super fast. I mean, I know, I know. Um, So we're going to end with our rapid fire questions. Let's have some some more fun. No, 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 you're fine. I got to go to the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd rather be at the dentist than this, we're in trouble. No, no doubt. Um, Okay, so... here we go. Rapid, rapid response. Whatever comes first to Are your we mind. Going in order, Bernie, than me. We'll, then... we'll just ping pong it back and forth. It, okay, you're first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tag. All right. Title of your lifetime movie. Um. <laughs> National Lampoon's Vacation. Goodness okay. gracious, uh, Benjamin Button. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you could change place with any celebrity right this minute, who would it be? Your first man, man. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, Steph Curry. Love him. Great. Uh, I'll go with uh, Warren Buffett. Nice. Okay. When do you feel happiest? When I'm with my family. Uh, when I'm doing new and exciting things that I've not done before. If you were running for politics, what would be your biggest campaign promise? <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, I mean, I'll take this one. It'd probably be equality. Okay. Mm-hmm. Healthcare for all. Okay. Great. Ultimate dinner party. You get to invite four guests. Who do you invite and why? Living, dead, real, fictional, doesn't matter. Well, I'd probably Warren Buffett to be up there. Michael Jordan to be up there. And probably 
uh, who's the largest innovator that I can think of. Uh, probably Steve Jobs would be up there for me. Okay. Mm. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Okay. Uh, Shout out to the Benjamin Franklin investing That's series. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Gwynn. Awesome. Okay. Um, Steve Jobs. Okay. And um, Barack Obama. And I, I got a, a fourth guest that I forgot. I, I need to take uh, probably Oprah. There you go. Yeah. Got to get the female representation. I was just, yeah. don't think that didn't go unnoticed. <laughs> <laughs> she might have been my first pick. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Okay, Bernie. Nice. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to hit the other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right this minute, you have to get a tattoo. What are you getting? Why? I probably get my parents' birthday. Uh, just, you know, they're a sincere inspiration to everything that I do. And uh, they're the reason I'm here on earth. So that's, that's big enough reason for me. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, probably my daughter's name. Okay. Mm. Love it. So are you going to get a tramp stamp? Just going to go double deep on the right. chest. I right love there. it. I love it. Yep. I love it. Because when you wear your vest, it's right, like yeah. really yeah. cute. Yeah. With a yeah. deep V cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Biggest pet peeve in business. I'd probably say uh, not executing to what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lack of follow-up. Okay. What is your wish for the next generation? That they don't, um, they don't let the tools and networks and resources now go to the wayside. They actually truly, truly utilize the people that come before them to accentuate where they're going. That they learn how to connect face-to-face. Mm, so good. When does your light shine the brightest? When I'm doing the things that I feel like uh, are invigorating and giving back to many, uh, not just myself. Uh, When I'm surrounded by others that have the same value systems and drive. Mm -hmm. Great. What is your big ask, either personal or professional, right this minute? And how can we help you both? My big ask is uh, introductions to athletes and entertainers or the, 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 the team that surrounds them and if you guys can help me out with that, it's phenomenal. It'd be okay. great. I want a campsite for our kids. Um, I want something so we don't have to continuously sort of rent from, even though we have great partners, I'd like something that is, that is ours that we can control um, so that we are able to define how we want the programming to go, how many programs we can offer and how we can continue to sort of replicate success and scale up. So if anyone's got um, ties to big chunks of land that they're willing to uh, lend or rent or donate or or (laughs) lease. uh, We are open to it Um, and making sure that this is a staple for the next generation to come. Awesome. What's your big ask? Oh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, wait a Well done. It's a shame that we have, we've run out of time. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, my big ask, I think uh, professionally is um, really work, continuing to work at the global level. I really want to do programming that allows me to travel around the world. So in my space of event management, I'm really most interested in actually the digital nomad space. Uh, Bernie and I talked about that, I think last week. I think it's by 2025 or 2030 that there's expected to be over a billion digital nomads. So people who work can work remotely um, in the world. And how do we create programming and experiences where even when you work remotely, you still feel part of a community from a professional sense, uh, most particularly. So, I'll be in Bali when you get that thing yeah, done. Good, perfect. Know, just, just let me know. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Sign me up. So that digital nomad space has really intrigued me for the last probably year and a half. And Phenomenal. I just need to figure out how to put all the, my tools and experience together to actually make that happen. That's so, great. That's perfect. Yeah, definitely. Well, you both have been amazing. Thank you so much. I can already feel that there will be a part two at some point. So well, we thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, this absolutely. was really fun to do. Yeah. No, yes, thank you thank so you. much. So you both were amazing. And what's the best way for our listeners to connect with both of you? Uh, they can just reach out to my team, 858-999-8777 or andre.quan at magnacartawealth.com. You can find me on the shawneefoundation.org. That's S-E-A-N-Y, um, 619-786-0928. Otherwise, email is bmauricia at the shawneefoundation.org. Always willing to help. Great. Thank you so much. And we'll include those in the show notes as well. So everybody can, can find you. So thank you so much much for being here. And um, I hope today's the first day of you uh, living your best life. Phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Big Ass Podcast. Like what you heard? Subscribe to and share the podcast with your friends. And be sure to connect with me on social at Miss Nicole Matthews or at Big Ass Podcast. Until next time, let today be the day you make a big ask. Thank you.